I expect you're wondering why I've gathered you all here. I can't be with you in person. My attendance via video link is necessary in order to preserve the secret of my identity. And because of a small hygiene problem. Over the last two months, you have each met with a tall man with a beard, or a limp, or perhaps a glass eye. He signalled his involvement with us through a series of ancient signs. The spilling of salt, the crossing of a cutlery, the ordering of trifle. During the course of the hours you spent with this man, you will have each expressed an interest in our organisation. Our secret organisation. This man will have told you to expect a letter, and it is in response to this letter that you are here this evening. Either that, or there has been a mix-up at the post office. In which case, feel free to leave us now. Anyone? Well, there's usually one. In which case, just pretend you never heard this. Anyone? No? Good. I expect you all have many questions, which will all be answered in due course. Usually, someone asks about why the camera is pointing at my crotch. I'm still waiting for the delivery of my white cat, all right? Is that someone stiggering? Any further questions? No? Then I would like to begin by playing you all the following recording from our rival organisation. Play the tape. The tape I gave you. This morning. Now, give it here. Boris Molland attempted suicide by jumping to his almost sudden death from the roof of an eight-story building. Against all the odds, his fall was broken by an open truck carrying a consignment of cushions on its way to Lewis's. His condition is described as comfortable. Winston Terrible discovered the face of Jesus on the bottom of his frying pan after a full English breakfast. Being scientifically minded, he sent the pan for analysis, but a series of chemical tests revealed it to be nothing more than Brian Blessed. Christine Hunter lay down for a nap in a wooded glade in Thetford Forest. She swears she only drifted off for a second and was astonished when she awoke to see an eight-foot-tall, hairy, bipedal, ape-like creature making off with her handbag. At least now, she's convinced that we are not alone. Doctor Strange? Yes? The evil Doctor Strange? Yes? Robin Testosterone, security specialist. He said he wanted some additional home security. Yes, come in, come in. Apparently there's going to be an upsurge in espionage, what with the Cold War and everything. I wanted to be prepared. Ah, excellent. Right, well, I'm doing a special line in huge rolling boulders at the moment. Oh, I was thinking more along the lines of an alarm. An alarm? An alarm? I thought you wanted security. That's what you said on the phone. Security, you said. Not, I want to be the embarrassment of the supervillains. Or did I mishear you? I, I don't understand. Well, let me see. There's Doctor Doom next door with his poison arrows and trap-infested labyrinth. And you want a bell. A little bell. Tinkle, tinkle. Right. I see. Yes. Well, what do you recommend? Well, how about a bottomless pit behind front door here? Wouldn't a motion sensor be more practical? What? No, no, no. A bottomless pit. Yes. Great. Great. Uh, how do I get in and out? I'll pretend I didn't hear that. Okay. Now for the secrets themselves. Ah, yes. A fire safe. I'm thinking ancient curse. Ah. Or perhaps wrath of God. A bit Old Testament. I'm C of E. A cup of tea and a biscuit then. A nice welcoming pair of slippers by the fire. How about a welcome mat? Uh, No, no, you're right. Wrath of God. And a tripwire. I want a tripwire. Are you some kind of idiot? You can have somebody's eye out with that. Uh, Where am I? Don't panic, human. We have abducted you from your bed. 
You are now aboard our spacecraft. What do you want from me? Do not worry. Our intelligence is so vast and incomprehensible to you, you have as much chance of understanding our motivation as we have of understanding Charlie Sheen. As far as you know, we just want to shove things up your bottom. We have the technology. Let's face it, you do the same if you were us. We're going to start with this metal probe. Here it goes. No! Doctor, come quickly. What is it? There's been a terrible accident. A horse has been injured. They say you have a wonderful gift with animals. I'm reading the paper here. They say you can talk to animals. I see. They say you can walk with the animals, talk with the animals, grunt, squeak, squawk with the animals. Won't you help them, Doctor? My dear, they don't call me Doolittle for nothing, you know. Sir, we've picked up a large unidentified object on the radar. Could it be a bird? It's about the size of a battleship and travelling at 4,000 miles an hour, sir. Don't play guessing games with me, Jenkins. Is it a bird or isn't it? I don't think so, sir. Can you hear a theremin? I can. This is serious. Get me the Prime Minister. How do I do that? Try the phone book. Under P. Reports just in of an enormous silver spacecraft, larger than 20 double-decker buses, but smaller than 25 double-decker buses, landed in Hyde Park at 3.47 this afternoon. As yet, there are no signs of life from the spacecraft. The entire British army, numbering some 70 men, have assembled around the object, and even as we speak, are pointing and giggling. Wait, I think, yes, there's a door opening on the surface of the vehicle and a ramp appearing. Gosh, that's clever. I wonder how they did that. A man is appearing, a man in a spacesuit. He appears to be carrying some form of flower. He's raising it in what can only be recognised as a universal gesture of peace. I come here to visit you in peace and goodwill. Shoot him! Stop! Sir, sir, are you alright? Yes. Yes, I think I'm okay. Shoot him again! Stop! Stop! Sir, I think we'd better get you to a hospital, sir. There seems to be an enormous robot emerging from the spacecraft. He's walking down the ramp, and look at that! He's shooting a ray gun out of his eyes. Does it get any better than this? Woohoo! Well, I'm terribly sorry about this incident, Mr. Klatu. That's all right, Mr. Minister. That's Prime Minister. Now, it is important for me to meet with representatives of all the people of the Earth. How about your local MP? No. What I have to say is of great importance for the future of your planet. What you're asking is impossible. The French Premier alone never applies to my postcard. You must overcome your petty differences. Your planet is at stake. This isn't some green thing, is it? I mean, we know about carbon emissions and all that. You face annihilation. I find that hard to believe. A ten-foot robot just wiped out your armed forces with laser beams. What aspect requires clarification? Give me until Thursday. In the meantime, please remain in this room. And if I wish to move among your people? I know your sort. Once upon a time, there was a rocket called Rodney. Rodney was sad, because when he came out of the factory, he was smaller than all the other rockets. Big rockets like Big Brendan and Massive Mark looked down on Rodney and wouldn't let him join in with the other rockets in their games. Rodney was forced to watch from the outside window while the other rockets enjoyed wild parties, drinking dangerous rocket fuel, playing rocket roulette and smoking addictive crack cocaine. One day the telephone rang. Big Brendan answered the call. It was the President of the United States of America. And do you know who he called for? Was it Massive Mark? No. Was it Big Brendan? No, it was Rodney the rocket. Even though Rodney was just a small rocket, he had a thermonuclear warhead and the president wanted him to perform a preemptive strike on some Russians. Rodney was so proud. 
Rodney was loaded onto an American warplane and dropped from a huge height onto a city where millions of people lived. Rodney blew himself into a billion pieces, each one smaller than the smallest thing you can see. And when the dust settled, there was nothing left. There were no more people, and there were no more rockets. The end. After this announcement, there will be a short test of this country's emergency broadcast system. I repeat, this is a test. Let's hope that no one ever does anything so rash that it needs to be used for real. There is plenty of petrol to go round. Do not panic by petrol. There is plenty for everyone. I repeat, there is plenty of petrol to go round. Well, Kenneth, thank you for sharing your stories of alien abduction with me. What do you think, Doctor? Is it real? Am I going mad? I think that any alien with sufficient power to abduct you like this would be able to create a simulation of the real world that you were unable to distinguish from reality. How do you mean? Well, take that chair you're sitting in. You can feel its smooth leather arms, the soft leather seat, the cold metal struts. How would you feel if we shoved it up your bum? What? Up your bum! Up your bum! Up your bum! Up your bum! No! Newsflash. The alien who arrived yesterday in a giant spaceship with an eight-foot robot has escaped from police custody. Allegedly in response to the US preparing an extradition notice in connection with 40 million charges of human abduction and 10 million charges of cattle mutilation. Meanwhile, his giant saucer remains sitting in Hyde Park, which asks the question, where is he? What is he up to? And has he no respect for parking regulations? Hello. I noticed you have a room for rent. Hello, yes. Will you be staying long? Just a few days. My name is Clayt... uh, Mr. Carpenter. Hello, I'm Jean. What is your business in town, Mr. Carpenter? I'm a carpenter. I'm here to do some carpenting. Have you heard about the alien landing in Hyde Park, Mr. Carpenter? No, Jean, I haven't. Please, call me by my first name. Carpenter. I wonder, I'm from out of town and I'd like you to show me around this great city of yours. I'm particularly interested in taking photographs of some key strategic targets for my scrapbook. It would be a pleasure. Welcome to this week's episode of World of the Future, a programme where we speculate as to how the world will work in 50 years' time and try to keep our gorge from rising at what we find. And here's our guide on this trip into the future, Nancy. Hello, Nancy. This week, we're visiting the shopping centre of the future. In the future, the shopping centres will be moved out of the centre of town and built on a meadow where there used to be trees. This is because it annoys the environmentalists, and no one likes them. To reach the shopping centre of the future, we can use the automatic walkways that take you there from the suburbs, which is where everyone lives. We know that these will exist, because otherwise everyone would have to drive their cars, and that would be stupid. Are you going to get on the moving walkway, Nancy? No. Are you scared because it goes so quickly? Well, we suggest you take a run-up. Oh dear, you seem to have got jammed in the machinery. What about if you... Well, at least you're on the walkway now. Don't worry about the oil stains. You can buy a new dress when we get to the shopping centre. From the walkway, you have an amazing view over the city of the future. Let's point out a few things that have changed from the city of the 1950s. First, there's the... Oh no, that was already there. And that, 
The multi-storey car park is new. And that big department store was demolished. Do you remember? The big one on the high street. Isn't the world of the future amazing? Yes, it is, Nancy. What does that red button do, Nancy? Oh, look. It stops the walkway. I've never seen so many people fall over at the same time before. Some of them look quite cross. Perhaps we'd better go. Here we are at the shopping centre of the future. It's a huge white glass and metal structure that could house several football pitches. At the front is a huge glass revolving door. This is because it's a little known fact, but homeless people can't go through revolving doors. In the shopping centre of the future, each person is welcomed by cross-looking security guards. Oh no, it's just you, Nancy. They want to know who pressed the red button on the walkway. Don't lie, Nancy. It was you. Yes, it was. They want Nancy to go with them. It would have been nice to see the shops of the future. I might go and have a look while you talk to the security guards, Nancy. I expect I'll see you at the police station tomorrow. Night-night, Nancy. Night-night. Mrs Beverly Eldridge awoke on November the 3rd to find the front of her house covered in exotic decorative carvings. The culprit posted a note through her letterbox reading simply, No charge. Mrs Eldridge believes it to be the work of Freemasons. British scientists have finally ruled out an attempt to send a manned probe to the planet Mars. The mission, which has been in the planning stages for several years, has been ruled out on the grounds of communications costs. Apparently they can't carry enough 10 pence coins and it's too expensive to reverse the charges. We are sorry to report the death of the inventor, Terry Dowsing. His funeral was held on Tuesday at St. Grammaticus Parish Church, where his coffin was lowered into the ground. Terry was famous for thinking outside the box, and his body was later found three feet away on the grass. And before we commit Terry's body to the ground, one of his longtime collaborators would like to say a few words. <clears throat> Terry has been hailed as a man ahead of his time, and we'd like to pay tribute to a man who was an inspiration to us all. Many of us will remember Terry for his futuristic inventions, his theoretical system of interlinked worldwide duplicators that he called the Internet, or his bagless tornado vacuum cleaner that pulled dust in at one end only to deposit it in Kansas. Terry is also the man who calculated the theoretical maximum for the number of stationers in a single town, a theory that became known as the Ryman Hypothesis. He was also the inventor of a new kind of calendar. He said that with the old kind, its days were numbered. Terry did not always have it easy. An investor in industrial sand and water, a company that had made its money from prefab sandcastles for lazy holidaymakers, he backed a product line of damp cardboard boxes for shipping plants, but was caught out when the bottom dropped out of it. Others will recall his ability to guess the color of your living room curtains, a trick with a secret that he has taken to his grave. But I will remember Terry as a storyteller, a raconteur, an inventor of unforgettable tales. Unfortunately, I can't remember a single one of them. Shall we just stick him in the ground? Welcome aboard, Captain. Thank you, Commander. It's a real honour to be taking command of the largest aircraft carrier in His Majesty's fleet. Good to see you've been keeping it clean. Thank you, sir. There's nothing as important as cleanliness on a battleship. Paint and polish, that's what keeps the Navy going. Just one question. What's that, Captain? What are those small grey men doing with that chap up at the bow? I'm not sure, sir. My 
God! What's that smell? Do you think we are where I think we are, Commander? Yes, sir. I think so. Well, I think I'll be putting in for a transfer. The illegal alien is still at large and now is wanted in connection with a series of automobile thefts, third world debt, the sewage crisis and a considerable number of missing socks. He is also rumoured to have kidnapped a young woman, name of Jean, and is going under the alias of Carpenter Carpenter the Carpenter. Citizens are advised this man is extremely dangerous and not to approach him, but to keep a distance of approximately 50 metres and pull faces in the hope of disorientating him. Thank you for showing me your city, Jean. Let us go into this underground station. Do you have the time? It's almost midday. I particularly enjoyed the war memorials and the bomb craters. Perhaps next time we could see some tourist locations, such as the waxworks and key government security buildings. What's happening? All the lights have gone out. Oh, that's me, I'm afraid. I've arranged for all non-critical power on the planet to be switched off at midday. I need to reveal something to you. Mother warned me about men like you. My real name is Clatu, and I am an extraterrestrial. I don't want to see your extra. It is very important. I'm here on a mission of peace to warn mankind about... There he is! Shoot him! Not again. Damn you! No! He's here on a mission of peace. Are you all right, Keanu? That's Clatu. Fortunately, the bullet missed my ear by just two inches and instead passed straight through the centre of my head. Jean, you must get a message to Gort, my 12-foot-tall silver robot. How will I recognise him? He is wearing a carnation. Tell him, Clatu Barado Nicto. Have you got that? Clatu Barado Nicto. Only without the refried beans this time. Got it. But how will you get back? Don't worry about me. I'll nip out during the next crossfade. Go on, go! There you go, one return to Soylent Green. Next, please. Hello, I need a ticket, please. But can you tell me how to get to Planet of the Apes? Planet of the Apes? Yes, I'm only I'm late for an appointment, and I don't know the underground that well. I mean, is this even the best place to start? Oh, 20 million miles to Earth? Well, it's not the closest stop. Uh, let me see. Uh, how about you stay on the Monster Lion through Godzilla, King Kong, then change at 20,000 leagues under the sea? Can I go on the speculative fiction line? No, that's not finished. Uh, from 20,000 leagues under the sea, you can either walk to Steampunk, although it's quite a long way, to be honest, or you can swap off onto the technology line, but you need to get off before Terminator. Why? That's the end of the line. Uh, so you go through Time Machine, change at the fly onto Experiments Gone Wrong. It's not the most reliable line, but you should be okay. Uh, then you go up to the Quatermass Experiment, get off, change onto Space Exploration, then it's six stops along. Thank you. Just a single. How did you know? No one wants return to the planet of the apes. Hello, Control. We read you, Captain. We're about to begin the spacewalk now, Control. Opening the docking bay doors now. And now the three of us will make our way out of the vehicle. Carson, what the hell are you doing? What? What are those? Are those jeans? Uh, yes, sir. It's, uh, it's Friday, sir. Oh, for God's sake! Williams, get him back inside. What? We're going on a spacewalk, man. Oh, sorry. The last place I was at had a dress-down day. I just assumed... You can't just wear jeans on a spacewalk. Why not? Why not? Well, it's the radiation, isn't it? You know, the the radiation. You just can't do it, that's why. Now go back and put on your spacesuit trousers. Well, I'll just change them out here. No, go back inside. Williams, get him inside. You're a disgrace, Carson. I'm having a bit of difficulty getting a purchase on the side of the space station, sir. Hmm? I'll just turn on your magnetic boots. Are those trainers? No. I've told you before about wearing trainers out here. 
It's my flat feet, sir. I don't care. I've got a note from the doctors. They mark the surface. They leave marks. Do you have any idea how much it costs to get this cleaned? What is it, Carson? I can't find my trousers. Oh, for God's sake. Well, they're not in my locker. Well, you'll just have to do the spacewalk in your pants then, won't oh, you? Oh, sir! Come on, come on. It's not as if anyone's going to see you. Right. Are we all set? Good. Could we have a table for three, please, with a view of the Earth? I'm sorry. I'm afraid our dress code requires you to wear a tie. Oh, Ah, Colonel, thank you for coming back to the lab. We've been working on a fleet of robot devices that we miniaturise and then place inside the human body to work on infected tissue and cure disease from the inside. I see. This is one of the robots here. Well, it's eight feet tall. I assume this is before miniaturisation. And uh, no, the original was 30 feet tall. Well, how do you get it inside the body? An enormous crowd is now gathered around the giant silver spacecraft awaiting the arrival of the mysterious alien, now believed to be inside. Assembled are representatives of every country on the surface of the planet, and also two from Atlantis. God knows how they found out about it. Questions have been sent from all over the world. The New York Times wants to know whether he's a Republican or a Democrat. The Daily Mail wants to know when he's going back home. An ideal home wants to know if his spaceship has a fitted kitchen. Here he comes. The whole world is wondering what he's going to say. And as he walks slowly up to the microphone, a man who has traveled many light years to be with us, he takes his place at the lectern. Let's see what wisdom he has to impart. People of Earth. Shoot him! So the next time you encounter a menace from another world, viciously brandishing an olive branch and with a threatening white dove in tow, sharp beak, bared and glistening, dark, sinister eyes glaring at you, remember that we are not alone. We Are Not Alone was brought to you by Timothy Hounsom, Alice Cabin, Lisa Walsh, John Thrower and Playmate of the Month, Matthew Nation. It was written by John Thrower with contributions from the cast and edited by Nathan Rowe. Music and the We Are Not Alone theme is by Andrew Webb and the tracks Tiny Fugue and Also Sprach Zarathustra were recorded by Kevin MacLeod. For a full set of credits and attributions, visit our webpage at www.wearenotalone.co.uk. We are also available for virtual stalking via Facebook and Twitter. So there you have it. Hopefully you can see now what our organisation is up against. Thank you for attending our conference. I hope you agree it's been worthwhile. We've had some laughs. There was relatively few spillages. Please leave the hall tidy as the church are using it first thing in the morning. And I bid you all good night. Oh, and don't forget the social in the pub on Tuesday. Only me last time. I expect you just forgot. Don't worry, I don't bear a grudge. Well, except for that business with the shark. Although that was a one-off. So maybe see you Tuesday then. Bye. How do you turn this thing off? <laughs>